0: My name is Jim Fleming, and this is Our Sunday School. I'm coming to you from the Hickson campus of Stewart Heights Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And we'd love to have you come and visit us. But if you're not in the area, please go to OurSundaySchool.com to see all of the resources we saw in class. Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, welcome to Our Sunday School. Uh, today is week two of our multi-week series in Jude. So if you got your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Jude. If you don't... Uh, today's text is on the handout And you'll notice it's only a Two page handout No staple today so Don't worry, I didn't mail it in We're, we're going to cover a lot of material It's just not all in Jude Alright, I'll start this week by Reading uh, all of Jude And then we'll take a look at uh, Really the first half of today's uh, Text We'll finish the, the rest of it last, Next week Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ and brother of James To those who are called, sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ Mercy, peace and love be multiplied to you Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation I found it necessary to write to you exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith Which once was for all delivered to the saints For certain men have crept in unnoticed Who long ago were marked out for this condemnation Ungodly men Who turn the grace of our God into lewdness And deny the only Lord God And our Lord Jesus Christ But I want to remind you Though you once knew this That the Lord having saved the people Out of the land of Egypt Afterward destroyed those who did not believe And the angels who did not keep their proper domain But left their own abode He has reserved in everlasting chains Under darkness for the judgment Of the great day As Sodom and Gomorrah, and the cities around them, in similar manner to these, having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh, are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Likewise, also, these dreamers defile the flesh, reject authority, and speak evil of dignitaries. Yet, Michael the archangel, in contending with the devil, when he disputed about the body of Moses, dared not bring against him a reviling accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke you. But these speak evil of whatever they do not know, and whatever they know naturally, like brute beasts, in these things they corrupt themselves. Woe to them. For they have gone in the way of Cain, have run greedily in the error of Balaam for profit, and perished in the rebellion of Korah. These are spots in your love feasts, while they feast with you without fear, serving only themselves. They are clouds without water Carried about by the winds Late autumn trees without fruit Twice dead Pulled up by the roots Raging waves of the sea Foaming up their own shame Wandering stars For whom is reserved The blackness of darkness forever Now Enoch The seventh from Adam Prophesied about these men also Saying Behold the Lord comes With ten thousands of his saints To execute judgment on all To convict all Who are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have committed in an ungodly way, and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are grumblers, complainers, walking according to their own lusts, and they mouth great swelling words, flattering people to to gain advantage. But you, beloved, remember the words which were spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how they told you there would be mockers in the last time, "...who would walk according to their own ungodly lusts. These are sensual persons who cause divisions, not having the Spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And on some, have compassion, making a distinction." But others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. All right. So typically when I start a Sunday school lesson, we read the text... And we ask a series of questions, questions like, are there any literary or structural observations? Are there any repeated words? What do those words mean? And then we look at any uh, applications and personalizations. And, and, and I told you last week that today was going to be all about going back and making sure we understood the context that Jude was referring to, because he refers to a lot of different stuff in verses 5 through 11. So on your handout... Uh, I believe I have at the bottom listed the historical references and i've i've got a lot of stuff in today's teacher notes That are not on your handout and if you want access to those you can go to our click on the read tab And then click on the little t for teacher note next to today's lesson and you can find that But today we're going to look at really just one question in the series of questions that we typically ask and that question is Are there any structural or literary observations and and there's a lot today so that's what today is going to be and then next week we'll go and we'll do the rest of the questions that we typically do the with the repeated words that what do the words mean lots of application and, and personalization from the the words themselves all right so so the historical references now you've got green check marks next to a few of them on your handout right okay So my assumption today is that you walked into class today having some familiarity with those three. All right. So that the Lord saved the people out of the land of Egypt and afterward destroyed those who did not believe. So there was a period of time in Old Testament history called the Exodus where the people came out, right? And did all of those people that left Egypt enter into the promised land? No. Who entered into the promised land that left Egypt? Joshua and Caleb, yes. Huh, that's a good name, isn't it? That's a really good name, yes. So what happened to all the other people? They died. Why did they die? They lack of belief, right? And this is what Jude is referring to here. He saved the people out of the land of Egypt and after destroyed those who did not believe. Check. We are generally familiar with that story, right? Okay, great. Uh, Verse 7, Sodom and Gomorrah. Generally familiar with this story, right? So there was uh, gross, uh, voluminous, uh, and varied sexual sin in and around Sodom and Gomorrah, and God uh, dealt with that, right? Okay. And then verse eleven, the first one there, the way of Cain. You heard the story of Cain and Abel, yes? Cain brought what type of a sacrifice? Kind of not veggies, right? Yay! And. And in what spirit did he bring it? Hebrews tells us. A, a non-faith filled spirit, right? So he brought, he brought really the wrong thing with the wrong belief perspective. And Abel brings a sacrifice, a right sacrifice in faith, and then gets called out for it later in Hebrews. So these are the three that I'm going to say you probably check the box on that. However, if you stopped the average Christian, in air quotes, on the street, and ask them about that time in the Bible when the angels didn't keep their proper domain, about when Michael the archangel in contending with the devil about the body of Moses, about the error of Balaam and the rebellion of Korah, I'm going to bet a nickel they'll be o for 4. Okay? Is anybody in here today o for 4 on those? You look at him, you go, I don't really know what you're talking about. It's okay, you can be honest, it's complete... Awesome. Thank you very much. Any one for four? You're like, I, got, I know what one of those is. All right. Two for four? I got two of them down. Three? All four. Cool. Awesome. Good. That's kind of what I was expecting. There, there's a, a lot and then a little, and it, it kind of... And some of you are like, I'm not really sure, Jim. I didn't want to answer. All right. All right, all right I understand. All right. So, so these are the ones you probably knew. These are the ones that we're going to be looking at today. So go ahead and flip over to the back side of your handout. Look at that. We're already on page two. Actually page 6, but that's okay Some of you ask me once in a while Why the handouts in class Don't start with number 1 Because it's part of a bigger document It's a series Yes, okay, great Here we go So let's address the first one first So the angels who did not keep their proper domain Now, you see Genesis 6, 1-9 through 9 Is highlighted there Will you, What does that mean? So as you've been here a little while, we're going to flip back over to Genesis 6. Yes. From Jude to Genesis. We're spanning the scriptures this morning. All right. Now, there are, uh, most Bible teachers would say that there are three Bible possibilities for what Jude could be referring to here. Uh, one would be Isaiah 14. And this is the passage that talks about where Lucifer falls. This is Lucifer's five I wills. Um, There's also the possibility of Revelation 12 Uh, This is very uh, Obviously apocalyptic But prophetic language Where uh, we see that A third of the angels fell And followed after Satan Uh, And then really the third possibility is Genesis 6 And this is the uh, Sons of God And this is why today's lesson is PG-13 Breeding with the daughters of men Now you might be thinking Well how do you know which one to go to Well Jude actually tells us Because if you look at Jude verse 7 It starts off with As Sodom and Gomorrah And it connects the thought before In verse 6 With the sexual sins of Sodom and Gomorrah In verse 7 So we're looking for Some angelic sexually oriented sin In the Old Testament And the closest we can come We think Is Genesis 6 So let's read uh, Genesis six, uh, one through nine. So, who's got Genesis six, one through nine? Should be really easy to find. It's on like page eight. So, all right, skip, nice and loud for us.
1: Now it came to pass. When men began to
0: so, when was now? When was now? So, so we're in Genesis six. Let's get historical perspective for just a second. So, um, who has already lived on the? Earth? Has the flood happened yet? Let's ask that question. No. How do we know the flood has not happened yet? Because it happens in verse 9, right? (laughs) That's when Noah shows up. Okay, great. So this is right before Noah drops on the scene. Okay, so right before Noah drops on the scene. All right, so that's when the now is. Great.
1: Now it came to pass, when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born to them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, and that they were beautiful they took wives for themselves of all whom
0: they chose. Okay, I'm going to pause right there. The sons of God. Well, we think think it's angels, right? Because we're going to find out that there's not righteous people living on the earth at this time, right? So it's not like, oh, there was this population of righteous people that God's referring to right here. No, not really at all, because he's going to make that abundantly clear in just a few verses. So they took wives of themselves from all whom they chose, right? All right, let's keep going. Verse 3.
1: And the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh, yet his days shall be 120
0: years. So he emphasizes the fact that man is flesh, and he puts a cap on the lifespan. And this is where you begin to see so those, those people that lived six, seven, eight, nine hundred years, there's a rapid, the slope of the line is very steep as it crashes toward 120 in lifespan right here. Okay? It, is, it comes to a, a, a conclusion very quickly. All right, let's keep going.
1: There were giants on the earth in those days.
0: So what do you think giants means? Giants. Yeah, giants, right? <laughs> it's, it's a really good translation. It means great big tall people. Right. Yeah, okay, keep going
1: also afterward, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men, and they bore children to them.
0: So what is the text connecting the giants to? Yeah, the, these children from the sons of God and the daughters of men. So something different happens when these, we believe, angels have sexual relations with these human females. What do you end up with? You end up with really big people. You do all sorts of fun stuff here, right? Let's keep going.
1: Those were the mighty men who were of old, men of renown. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil.
0: continually. So I'm going to pause there. This is why I don't believe that the sons of God is referring to some set of righteous people that were left. And, you know, it was one of the prophets that said, Oh, only I alone am left, O Lord. And God showed him, No, no, I've got gobs of other servants over here that you just don't know about well th- this wasn't the case there, there wasn't this uh holy apostolic church over here that everybody was a member of that everything was great and this this a bunch of pagans running around the earth right so verse what's the next one six yep
1: and the lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth he was grieved in his heart so the lord said i will destroy man whom i have created from the face of the earth both man and beast, creeping things, and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. This is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations. Noah walked with God.
0: All right, so we're going to pause here for just a second. So I'm going to make, I'm going to beg you to do something for me. I'm going to, and I've done this many times in this room. I'm going to beg you to stop teaching the story of Noah to your children wrong. Do not teach the story of Noah. Noah was a good man, and God picked him, and God saved the earth through Noah. No, it's not the order. Verse verse 8 says, uh, But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. This is well before he is declared uh, just or perfect in his generations. He was chosen before he was declared to be good. Right? Right? Let's make sure, because when we teach kids, you be good and God will pick you. Oh my, no, 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 you have completely distorted uh, salvation. This is not, not good at all. All right, so Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations, Noah walked with God. That word perfect can also be translated as Pure. He wasn't polluted with the whatever the angels brought into the mix. Does this make sense? All right. So look at Jude verse uh, 5 again. Verse 5 or 6. And the angels who did not keep their proper domain, but left their own abode... He has reserved in everlasting chains Under darkness for the judgment Of the great day So how did God uh, view this particular Action of these fallen angels Was this a full endorsement Everything's good, everything's happy No, not at all This is about as bad as it gets Right, I mean this is everlasting chains uh, Until some point In the future, so So what's the point of this particular example? Well, I would say judgment comes on anything, man or angel, that does not follow after it God, whether it be his people, his angels, or unbelievers. Um, So this is the the reference that uh, Jude is making for the angels who did not keep their proper domain. This is as close as we think we can get in the Old Testament to this. All right, now the second one, Michael the archangel in contending with the devil when he disputed about the body of Moses. We're going to come back to this one. That's why it's listed fourth in your list. Um, that's why the numbers aren't in order. That's actually on purpose, so we're going to come back to it. Don't worry. Uh, number three is the error of Balaam. So flip over to Numbers uh, 31. Numbers 31. Now, Balaam's story is actually found in Numbers 20 through, 22 through 25. And if you read Numbers 22 through 25, you will come away with the conclusion that Balaam was a good guy. Because there was a king that, uh, the king of Moab, uh, Balak, tried to get Balaam to prophesy against Israel. Tried to get him to say, uh, to pronounce a curse against Israel. And he offered vast sums, of, I mean, like that, to fill his house with gold, which I don't know what the conversion would be today. It would still be an obscene amount of money. You would be set for life. Your kids would be set for life. I mean, this is just spectacular, spectacular amounts of money. Um, but when Balaam goes to do the work, what does he do? Does anybody know the story? He doesn't curse the children of Israel, he blesses them. And he doesn't just do this once, he does this three times and the king of Moab gets angrier and angrier every time and he, he's trying to convince Balaam like you've got to understand you've got to understand this is what's going on and most of the time when we teach the story of Balaam what do people focus on somebody remember the donkey right yeah it's the donkey no no it's not about the donkey just like Jonah's not about the whale Balaam's story is not about the donkey and some of you are like the donkey. There was a donkey, yes, and the donkey talked. He talked back, he talked back. yes. Um, it was. What'd you say? He talked bad. I said he talked back. Back. Oh, I thought you. Okay, I'm with you now. Sorry, thought you were making a Dave Barber joke there for a second. It was getting pretty rough. Uh, where does the donkey speak here? Help me out. Somebody look real quick. I think it's in. What's that? Thank you, Father, for such faithful and humble servants of yours. What's the verse, Skip? 28, excellent. Chapter 22. Ah, I'm in the wrong chapter. There we go. 22. Somebody read the verse for me. So, if you've ever wondered what was going through an animal's head, (laughs) because it doesn't say God told the animal what to say, right? It just said God opened the mouth, which is different than God gave the words. So, this is what's going through the animal's head if the animal could articulate quit hitting me, right? Like, what do you, I am, I see, this animal saw something that Balaam did not see. What did the animal see? Who? No, just an angel. The angel of the Lord. Very specific term here. Very specific term. And it scared the donkey to death. Not to death, but it scared the donkey very badly. And the donkey did not move. And Balaam wanted the donkey to move because Balaam needed to get to the place where the king of Moab wanted him to go so that he could pronounce this uh, curse. But a blessing came out. So you read this story, Numbers 22 through thirty-five, through 25, and you come to the conclusion that this is actually kind of okay Balaam he he pronounces a blessing everything's fine and then you come over to Numbers 31 and there's this there's this divine commentary on the entire thing and uh, somebody tell me where Balaam's name is in chapter 31 I did not write this down in my notes which verse? verse 8 thank you very much And Balaam the son of Beor, they also killed with a sword. Is he? Does he show up again? Ah, there we go. And Moses said to them, "Have you verse fifteen? Have you all kept all the women alive? Look, these women caused the children of Israel through the counsel of Balaam to trespass against the Lord in the incident of Peor, and there was a plague among the congregation of the Lord." And people died And it wasn't just a few It was thousands and thousands and thousands And what this tells us Is that sometimes in biblical accounts Pieces are not always communicated The portion of scripture that is intended to be communicated in that part of the text is always communicated And sometimes god will fill in extra later on He tells part of the story in 22 through 25 He adds on in verse in uh, chapter 31 and we realize that balaam was actually not a good guy He was uh, vastly tempted by this money Uh, It was a tremendous amount of uh, pressure That they put on him and he told The king of Moab How to Take over the Israelite men Bring in your women Get them to sacrifice And offer up sacrifices To false gods uh, and that's what they did And it was very sad And thousands of people died And this would have been a story that Jude in the New Testament His contemporaries would have been very familiar With and There's the error of Balaam. So when you look in verse 11 in Jude, and it says, Woe to them, for they have gone in the way of Cain. So they've not exercised faith. They've run greedily in the error of Balaam for profit. They have desired money over doing the work and the will of the Lord. We are getting a very clear picture of what these certain men look like. Right? And then there's one more before we get to Michael the Archangel. The Rebellion of Korah. So this is Numbers 16. So I flip over to Numbers 16. I'm going to read portions of this. Now Korah, the son of Izar, the son of Kohath, the son of Levi, with Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, and On, the son of Peleth, the son of Reuben, took men. And they rose up before Moses with some of the children of Israel, 250 leaders of the congregation, representatives of the congregation, men of renown. They gathered together against Moses and Aaron and said to them, You take too much upon yourselves, for all the congregation is holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Why then do you exalt yourselves above the assembly of the Lord? Now on the surface, this seems like a reasonable question. This is actually something that uh, Moses takes... Uh, advice from his father-in-law later on, uh, Jethro, in saying you are actually taking too much on yourself. You should distribute some of this. You should get some help. Um, But he goes farther, uh, Korah goes farther than he should. here. He says, for all the congregation is holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. And Moses has an interesting response. He says, So when he heard it, he fell on his face, verse 4, verse 5, and he spoke to Korah and all his company, saying, Tomorrow morning the Lord will show who is his and who is holy, and will cause him to come near to him. The one whom he chooses, he will cause to come near to him. Do this. And he gives him all of these directions. And he says, Basically, we're going to have a test tomorrow, and the Lord was going to decide who is whom. So let's skip down to uh, verse 20. Uh, And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, Separate yourselves from among this congregation, that I may consume them in a moment. Then they fell on their faces and said, O God, the God of spirits of all flesh, shall one man sin, and you be angry with all the congregation. So the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the congregation, saying, Get away from the tents of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. So when God tells you to get away from a specific location, Skip, what do you think you should do? Run, Run. yes. (laughs) Like, I I think I need back. No, you don't need back. You just need to move, right? Okay. Verse 25, then Moses rose and went to Datham and Abiram, and the elders of Israel followed him. And he spoke to the congregation, saying, Depart now from the tents of these wicked men. Touch nothing of theirs, lest you be consumed in all their sins. So they got away from around the tents of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. And Dathan and Abiram came out and stood at the door of their tents with their wives, their sons, and their little children. And Moses said, By this you shall know that the Lord has sent me to do all these works, for I have not done them of my own will. If these men die naturally like all men, or if they are visited by the common fate of all men, then the Lord has not sent me. But if the Lord creates a new thing, and the earth opens its mouth and swallows them up with all that belongs to them, and they go down alive into the pit, then you will understand that these men have rejected the Lord. Now, that is a rather bold and specific thing to say, right? Um, Especially given the fact that we don't have a record that God told Moses that that's exactly what's going to happen. It looks like, in faith, Moses just pronounced something and... God demonstrated who God had actually chosen. So verse 31 Now it came to pass as he finished speaking all these words that the ground split apart under them and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up with their households and all the men with Korah with all their goods. So they and all those with them went down alive into the pit and the earth closed over them which I think is the more shocking thing in this entire story Um, because I have seen the earth open up before and it will scare you but it doesn't close right back. like That's not how this works. Uh, Unless God is doing it. And they perished from among the assembly. Then all Israel who were around them fled at their city. For they said, lest the earth swallow us up also. Which seems to me to be an extraordinarily reasonable thing to do. Uh, Would be to panic at this moment, right? Because they just saw. And then a fire came out from the Lord and consumed the 250 men who were also offering incense and on and on and on. And we learned that you don't uh, challenge God's man. It's really, really straightforward. So let's put those three together. Back in verse eleven in Jude, woe to them, for they have gone in the way of Cain. So they have exercised unbelief in their sacrifice. They have run greedily in the error of Balaam for profit. So they have put money over uh, uh, truth to tell and speak about God's people, and then they have perished in the rebellion of Korah. Uh, they desired to be first when God had appointed or anointed someone else to be in leadership This is the depiction of a very, very dangerous set of people that Jude is describing here And when we read it and we go, well, I don't know who Cain is, I don't know who Balaam is, I don't know who Korah is it, it really diminishes the impact of some of these things Okay, So I want us to understand what the perspective, what the context is here Now, let's do the hard one Oh, yeah, we, it, was, it was bad. Not only do you not want to lead the rebellion, you don't want to be associated with the rebellion. So I hate to break it to you, and it hurts my heart to say, but Star Wars, the rebellion is there. No, I can't go there. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. All right, so now if you think that uh, Korah and Balaam and the angels who did not keep their proper domain were a bit tough to figure out and apply... We'll hold on to your hats because this one gets really challenging. So, I want to talk to you a little bit about Jewish literature. So, the basis for all Jewish literature is the Old Testament. And this is something we can trust, this is something that we know to be sure, this is something that we are confident is true because God Himself has told us it is true. The Old Testament includes the books from Genesis to Malachi. So, the Old Testament is good. Now, some of you may have parents who grew up as Christians. And if you were to go to their Bibles And you were to look in between the book of Malachi And in between the book of Between Malachi and Matthew You would find more books of the Bible Than you have in your version And those are called the Apocrypha And these are books that are Many times historically very helpful Lots of content and information That can provide additional perspective Additional historical information But I have put them in yellow here Because They are not canon. Old Testament is canon. This is the word of the Lord. These are not canon. These include books like Tobit and Judith and 1st and 2nd Maccabees. Uh, There's a couple extra chapters to Daniel. Uh, This is where Bell and the Dragon, if you don't read any of it, you ought to read the chapter on Bell and the Dragon. It's fascinating. Uh, And then some additional chapters to Esther. And that's what, this is what Catholics and most Orthodox uh, Christians across the world would believe. Now if you're Greek Orthodox, you also have 1st Edris, uh, Psalm 151, which is actually a beautiful psalm, but it's just not inspired. And then 3rd Maccabees, we've got to get like more Maccabees. And if you go Gregorian or Georgian Orthodox, you get 4th Maccabees. It's like all about the Maccabees. And if you don't know who the Maccabees are Google Maccabees this afternoon Go read up on them It's a very helpful story It's a very interesting story You'll understand a lot about your current uh, Modern day Jewish friends so, so we've got the Old Testament And then we've got the Apocrypha That's kind of on top of That is helpful in ways uh, and, and then there's a, a word that you, you might not know um, Anybody want to take a swag at this one? Pseudopigrapha. Pseudepigrapha, that's right That's absolutely right Uh, I had bet a nickel that you would be uh, Mitch, the person that would say it with confidence And you were, so thank you for that Uh, Now, so so I'm going to make an analogy here Um, The Old Testament is to the Apocrypha As the Apocrypha is to the Pseudepigrapha So I want to get less and less confidence And less assurance in, in this information So there's gobs and gobs and gobs of these So these include things like First and Second Enoch which Jude actually quotes from later on in Jude in verse uh, 14 and 15. Uh, You you may have thought, well, when did Enoch prophesy? He didn't in the Old Testament, but he does in first Enoch. Uh, It also includes the book called The Life of Adam and Eve. And that is where we think Jude is referring us to in this particular uh, example. Now, there's all kinds of books here. And what what I want to make sure that we're careful with Is that we don't view these external resources And I'll talk about the Talmud here in just a second These external resources as equal or equivalent to the Old Testament While there are some things in here that can be helpful They are not on the same level as the Old Testament All right. Now the Talmud is the Jewish literature that includes the Midrash And the, um, I'll get the other word here in a second But it's basically the Jewish commentary on all of this stuff It was the rabbinical interpretations and commentary. And in Jesus' day, one of the things that was very popular was to associate yourself with a particular author of the Talmud. Now, the Talmud was not written down entirely in Jesus' day. It was all oral. So you had to memorize it orally. So imagine memorizing something. Today, it's 6,200 pages long. So it gets added to regularly. But it, it is an extremely long work. But you never get to actually look at it. You can only hear it, and you have to be able to recite it back. Only, yeah, only, is just for rabbis. This is just for rabbis, right? So we actually see an example of this in the New Testament when somebody asked Jesus, uh, Rabbi, what is the greatest commandment? Right? Because there were authors in the Talmud who had opinions on which one was which. And we know from Jesus' answer which rabbinical line of thought he was allying himself with. Which is very interesting, it's a very interesting concept However, just because it's written down and it's old Doesn't mean it's on the same footing as the Old Testament So I want to make sure that we really firmly, concretely grasp this And if your audience is familiar with all of this And you're trying to tell a story Then all of this is up for grabs relative to making references And that's what Jude is doing here So when you and I, as 21st century believers, look at all this and we go, how in the world are you supposed to keep up with all that? How are we supposed to figure this out? I've had a suggestion. This is a great time to jump into a commentary and to say, I can't find this in the Bible anywhere. Is there something else that this is referring to? Why, yes, there is. This is a good time to use one. So... This is the the perspective that I want us to make sure that we get on this. So the question is, Michael the archangel in contending with the devil when he disputed about the body of Moses, what does he say? He dared not bring a a reviling uh, accusation against him, but said, the Lord rebuke you. So what I want to finish with today is that Jude doesn't so much focus on the thing itself, the event itself, as in the way... Michael the archangel actually rebukes the devil this is the bigger focus of Jude's point which is something that can apply directly to us so Jude is writing to people who are living with these apostates who are inside the church who are teaching these things and it gives him the example of Michael contending about the body of Moses and Michael rebuking the devil by saying the Lord rebuke you it's a very simple approach Does this look like a three points in a poem? Let's lay everything out articulately and make sure it's clear logic. No, no. The Lord rebuke you. And that was sufficient. So whether you know the backstory of the history of all of this or not, what we as modern day believers can look at this and say is that when we see error inside the church and people striving to put money over God, seek power for themselves or to be tempted in some way we can say the Lord rebuke you and we can have confidence that that is enough now one more thing that I learned and then we're going to get to the application and personalization I'm going to say a word and I want you to say the opposite okay light okay uh, on okay God No. I want to challenge your thinking there for just a second. When I say the word Satan, Satan is the leader of the demons. Would you broadly, generally, concur with that statement? All right. Who leads the angels? Has God appointed anyone to be in charge or to be uh, the highest rank for the angels? Michael. When we say the devil is the opposite of God We give the devil too much credit So let's be real careful cause this, was a, this is one of those What, my brain hurts now um, a, a, a dear saint who wrote about 400 years ago Explained this to me uh, Several days ago And it was beautiful And I thought this is just fantastic Which is why the Lord rebuke you Is totally sufficient So, alright Let's get to our application and personalization And here I thought I was going to be finished early today The best laid plans of my men. All right, application number one. uh, Audience matters. Uh, So if you have somebody that you're talking to at your work or in your neighborhood about the gospel and they don't know anything about the Bible, are you going to recommend Jude be the place they start? No, please don't. (laughs) Because you're going to get into all kinds of questions about how many angels can dance on the head of a pen. And none of that's important, right? Audience matters. So start where people are. Confusing the lost with lesser known passages is, is not helpful. Tell pagans what Jesus did in your life. That is a fantastic place to start with anybody. Uh, application number two sex, power, and money are old temptations. So let's contend earnestly for the faith. And then number three, this is the one that I've been working on the longest probably, is God works both inside and outside the canon. So, number three in the personalized study, to show ourselves approved. Because I want us to understand how God works in the Bible and throughout, and to understand, here's your next two blanks, how all history glorifies God. And we can use non-canonical resources as appropriate, uh, because God is sovereign over all events in history, not just those in the Bible. Does this make sense? You with me on that one? Sort of, kind of? Maybe Ryan, I'm getting a I'm not sure vibe You good? Okay, awesome Some of the things That I've mentioned today Will cause you to be lost In thought for days And I get that So uh, Away we go So next week uh, We'll actually do Our normal Quote unquote Bible study For verses 5 through 11 So we'll go through the words We'll ask the questions We'll get the uh, Personalizations and applications From this particular text As opposed to Kind of from the context Of getting the depth Uh, and then you've got some homework, and I've listed some resources down at the bottom. Uh, If you want to know more about the Old Testament writings, Wikipedia has a very helpful article on the Talmud uh, that is uh, extraordinarily in-depth, but is also very helpful for getting a framework around how all those pieces work together. So your uh, weekly update is on your table, so please make sure your names are listed at the bottom. That your prayer requests are written in legible penmanship. Ms. Darla is not here this week. Uh, she and her husband are off celebrating their 32nd wedding anniversary. Yes, I think that's the right number. And uh, so we praise God for them and what they do. Uh, but pray over these requests at the table. And after you have finished praying, uh, you are dismissed. And I will add one more for the entire group. Uh, Talitha, this is... Um, uh, Myla's sister, thank you, um, it was in the hospital last night. Uh, her it appears her heart is acting up again. So, if we could be specifically in prayer for her this morning, that would be great. I would love to be able to tell Darla that we'd stopped and, uh, and Darla tell Myla that we stopped and prayed uh, for her this morning as well. That would be very good. So, uh, yes, that would be very helpful too. So, helpful too. Awesome. Praise the table, and then you are dismissed. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and to our weekly email. You can do both at OurSundaySchool.com.